This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I am Brad. Thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate you for making this a, what is it, a a twice a month habit. (laughs) Thank you so much. And if you're new here, welcome. Glad you've stumbled onto my weird little corner of the internet. I'm sitting here drinking my Independence coffee. I've talked about them before. I uh, usually go with the jet fuel on there, but you know, which is what I get at the grocery store. But when I go to their website, I see a lot more options than what I see in the store. And uh, I was was actually going to say that I, I wish they would offer some whole bean options because the jet fuel that I get at the grocery store is always ground. And there's some good coffees out there that are pre ground, but if I can get it, I always prefer the whole bean um, for obvious reasons. It's uh, For one, it's a lot more potent. Um, you get that caffeine punch that's fresh right out of the, out of the bean, you know? It uh, hasn't been sitting around pre-ground in a storage facility or something. But what really caught my eye about their website is that they have so many more flavors out there. One of them... I got to check this one out. It's the Laughing Donkey Espresso Roast. Now, the name alone makes me want to try it, but they only offer it in a five-pound bag. You know, it's it's not a bad deal. It's under 50 bucks for the whole uh, five pounds, which is, you know, fair market price, I think, for good, you know, uh, for good coffee. But, uh, I've never tried it, so this is going to be quite an experiment. But good stuff. It's independencecoffee.com. I'll link the uh, page that I'm talking about in the show notes so you can find it easily. We were uh, sitting around drinking uh, some of this on Sunday, and Kim says to me, she said, what is this coffee, you know? And Because uh, we, we've been drinking the Lavazza Steady, because it's, uh, it's another great one. But uh, I, I threw her a curveball. You know, I said, oh, this is the Jet Fuel Going, going back to kind of one of our go-tos before we, we got on the Lavaza trip. But uh, we were just sitting around and listening to records, drinking coffee, and it was such a, uh, a peaceful way to kind of like come into the day. You know what I mean? Just to sit there. The, the kiddo was eating some pancakes. It was a good time. And it wouldn't have been quite so cool without the record player, I don't think. But it was a, it was a nice mood, and I just recently replaced my turntable. I, I'd had one, you know, back in the '90s, and for 
most of the 2000s. But during this last move, I had this turntable that I bought in a pawn shop. And it was just kind of beat up. I mean, it still worked. But, um, you know, as you get a little older, you don't want to have just beat up stuff setting out <laughs> with all your nice furniture. So I, uh, I decided to donate it. And with a promise to myself that I was going to get myself another turntable one day, that I would replace it. And along about the same time is when Spotify uh, came into my attention. When Spotify came around, I just got lost in this sea of music. You know, suddenly I could have the world's music collection in the palm of my hand. And, you know, it was kind of like I got a little power drunk off of it. You know what I mean? I just didn't want to go back um, and replace that that turntable as much. Because it was a, it's almost like an embarrassment of riches, you know, to have this much music at pretty much whenever you want. But I got around to replacing it finally. And I'm so glad I did. You know, I, I remember when I first started my record collection would have been, I think, mid 90s or so. And it was when everyone else was ditching their vinyl. And and people were laughing at me. They were like, Oh, you're just you're so trendy. <laughs> you know, you well, you just listen to these records to look cool. And and maybe that's true. Um, but it just always seemed it seemed like a better platform to me than CDs. But that's what everybody was moving to, you know, from like the mid 80s when, when CDs came out to the 90s. You know, everyone just wanted to get rid of these big records. But it's, uh, it's been years since I've actually had a record player. So I, I busted out all these old records that I had. And it was like, you know, having a time capsule, you know, back to when I first purchased these albums or when I first people would give them to me, you know, just the stories behind all that. It reminded me of my favorite record store of all time was Sundance Records in San Marcos. Up until that point, I had never seen a real record store. You know, there was a few like CD shops that I had been into previously, you know, and obviously like the big box stores. Back in the day, it was Hastings. That's where you would go to get... uh your, your, your CDs and, and cassettes, whatever. And, but they didn't have like a huge vinyl selection. But when I stepped into Sundance Records, it was like I had found a Mecca, if you will. You know, like I had found my home away from home. Just, I mean, wall to wall covered in music memorabilia. It looked like the walls, even the ceilings, were decorated with album covers. I mean, it was just, it was like a shrine to music. They opened back in 77, and it was just, the whole place was covered in newspaper clippings. You'd see posters of Dolly Parton next to Jimi Hendrix, next to Bruce Springsteen. You know, it was, it was an amazing place. I mean, it raised the cool level of San Marcos by so much, because it wasn't just a place where you would go get music. It, for me, it was a place where you would go to discover music, too, because they were always listening to the most interesting stuff, things I'd never heard before. And I would just spend hours 
in this store, sifting through their dollar bin records. You could walk in there with 20 bucks and, and come out a king. But we would hang out in there, and the people working behind the counter always knew their stuff. It really did sort of had that, that vibe that uh, you saw in the movie um, High Fidelity. <laughs> it was very much like that. But even other patrons that were in there, you know, you'd, you'd start to, to recognize the, the music junkies and, and you'd start to network with them and find out all the music that they knew. You know, this was before the internet really was, took off to the extent that it is today, for sure. But, you know, there was, that was the way you discovered music back then, was just through, through the record store and the social setting that it provided. You know, they would have in-store uh, music from upcoming bands. It was, it was an amazing place. Unfortunately, like a lot of record stores, they, they closed down in 2012. What's interesting is in my research for this, to the history of Sundance Records, I stumbled upon an article about a record store I'm actually familiar with having a history to that. And it is a place called... Groover's Paradise here in Austin. And one of the longtime employees inherited a lot of the memorabilia that I talked about earlier, along with the collection when the, uh, when the owner, Bobby Bernard, uh, closed down. So I thought that was uh, super cool that there is a connection to my, to my first record store love, Sundance Records, right here in Austin. One of the things that I love about records is that they feel alive. You know, when when I drop the needle, it's like waking up an old friend. You know the sound, right? And the thing about listening to music this way is that it is so much more interactive than when I'm just on Spotify and I've got a playlist going. I mean, for starters you only get like 15 to 20 minutes per side. And so, you know, once I start spinning them, you know, and, and going through the stack, it, I can't really stop. Like it sort of draws me back and it just keeps going. And then, you know, you start looking at reading all the liner notes. And on that topic, I mean, the artwork is so much more immersive than it is now. If you're talking about vinyl, you know, you, Take Physical Graffiti by Led Zeppelin, for example. It's a double album, and you can change the way the front looks just by facing the sleeves in different ways because it has these cardboard cutouts. There's also the thrill of the hunt. I mean, you know, looking through a stack of records and finding that one that you've been looking for, or maybe one that just maybe you've never heard it and it just sort of grabs your attention and the cover calls to you there's something about that that adrenaline rush i mean finding you know an original pressing of pink floyd dark side of the moon for under five bucks that's an adrenaline rush and this is a bit controversial but um i think vinyl sounds better uh there's arguments both sides to this but i the technical reason that I have sort of latched onto is that, you know, records produce an analog sound, which is a continuous signal. That's versus digital formats that 
break down the sound into these slices, you know, ones and zeros. And not to mention the compression. Um, they're compressed on the CD, but even more so in the streaming platforms. I think it's odd that as the more sophisticated our devices get, the less attention that we play to pay to high fidelity. You know, can the human ear hear the difference? Um, or is it just in my head? I mean, I don't really know. I, I can't tell you that for, for certain, right? But I do know, I think it sounds better when I'm listening to a record. And beauty is in the eye of the beholder, or the ear in this case. But I remember coming home with all this, you know, going in there with that 20 bucks, coming out with a huge stack of records, and they're all like 15, 20 years old. And just going home and listening to those records, looking through all the pages of lyrics. Remember lyric pages where you could actually read along? I mean, when I look at, you know, Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks, there's an entire story on the back of this thing written by Bob himself. And I'm not going to read it all. <laughs> I'm not going to read any of it. But I, I don't think you could read it on the back of a CD. And, and certainly this information would not be contained on an MP3. Um, some of my other ones here. Oh, uh, Beatles, Abbey Road. This to me is one of the most underrated Beatles albums. I don't think it's my favorite, but I think it's highly underrated because this was the not their last album, but it was it was like the last album where they played as a band. And what I mean by that is Let It Be came out after that. But to me, that album was just, you know, Ringo, Paul, George, and uh, and John just basically playing their solo stuff. You know, the the... Abbey Road, they were still a cohesive band. And it was, you could tell, it was, a, to me, a much better album than Let It Be. Arguably has one of the best side twos of any album. It's like one continuous song when you go to side two of Abbey Road for like 20 minutes. <laughs> and they do so without it getting boring. And when I listen to albums like this, I think this they had the album format in mind when they recorded this. Here's another one that, uh, it, it's a little beat up. Uh, some of these records are uh, kind of worse for the wear. <laughs> Miles Davis, Round Midnight. This, to me, is one of the best jazz albums out there. Whenever someone tells me, you know, they don't like jazz, I, I ask them if they've heard this one. You know, Round Midnight, if you don't like that one, you're probably not going to like jazz. But, um... I think that one would turn anybody around. Yeah, one of the things I love about listening to vinyl is that you get that full album experience. You know, from top down, you're, you're getting the whole story. You get, you get the concept and the feel that the artist was going for more than just a single song. And what's crazy is that these prices that I'm seeing, because some of them still have the price tags on them, and it's nuts how much more expensive they are. Now, granted, I bought these, the bulk of them, before 2000. So 
that's a long time ago. I get that. But uh, it just seems like the premium has gone way up. For the first time since 1986, vinyl records sell more than CDs. Hopefully this means that more people are listening to them. Uh, I think the the folks that we have to thank for these higher prices and uh, and vinyl sort of resurgence are the millennials. And hats off to you, you know, because a lot of these uh, these people grew up, a lot of millennials grew up just listening to either CDs or MP3s and now streaming. And so for them, I think this has an appeal that maybe was lost on some of the older generations. You know, I just, I can't wait for this damn virus to go away so that I can hit the record store. I want, I just want to go and look at the crates at Piranha Records. I could, uh, I could almost walk to this record store. Um, it's just right in my neighborhood. Um, but can't do it yet. Not yet. I have created a playlist. It's uh, really just my way of uh, trying to curb my desire, my my uncontrollable desire to be a serial copyright violator. <laughs> so I've uh, put together a playlist. Check it out in the show notes. You can find me at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter, the Coffee Buzz PC. Thanks again, and I will talk to you next time.